Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Learn from the experts. Free land education out there, guys. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell, and I'm accredited land consultant with United Country Real Estate, Sutton Properties, along with my co-host this morning, Teresa Martin. Good morning. Good morning, Lou. How are you? I'm great. I hope you are. Well, we got a great guest today. You're going to learn a bunch. I'm ready. You're our student, right? I'm ready. Buying or selling homes, land or farms in western Piedmont, North Carolina, or southern Virginia, just give us a shout, guys. We'll help you out. Our office is at 102 East Main Street, next to BB&T Bank in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. Our company website's allsuttonproperties.com. That's A-L-L-S-U-T-T-O-N, properties, plural, dot com. All of our shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members. And our national website's www.rli, Realtors Land Institute, rlilandland.com. Now, if you're buying or selling land, you need to go to that website and find one of our 1,600 members or 500-plus ALC-accredited land consultants because we are the land people of the real estate industry. We're very few of us out of a million four, but we are the tops of the top. Hey, we'd also like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com. Buying or selling land, LandHub is the place to be. Our guest is Billy Van Pelt, Director, External Relationship and Senior Advisor to Farmland Organization. Welcome, Billy. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from southwest Kentucky. Oh, boy. That's some beautiful part of the world there. Yes, it is. Did you grow up there? I grew up in central Kentucky. I'm down here on a farm today. I've been visiting with Kentucky's Commissioner of Agriculture on one of our new rye farms. We're bringing rye back to Kentucky for distilling, brewing, baking, and um, other uses. Where did it go? Well, you know, rye left when during Prohibition, and we're importing rye. Um, for our distilled products and other products, and we want to have a domestic rye. We're producing bourbon in Kentucky, and we want Kentucky rye in that bourbon. Wow. I get to learn the coolest things on here. You do get to learn the coolest (laughs) things. You're the luckiest person I know, Teresa. So, Billy, you guys work with major donors throughout the southeast. I want to tell us about your organization. And, by the way, we're going to refer to this, so um, you don't have to write it down. It's real easy. Your website is www.farmland.org. How simple to remember. So during the show, if you want to, uh, go and check out their site. There's an incredible amount of information and who they are and what they do and opportunities for you to get involved. It's a, You guys are nonprofit, right? We are. Yeah, 502, what is it, 503? 501c3. 501c3, perfect. So uh, looking for some places to uh, park all this money. Uh, out there, uh, this is a great place to go. So please go to farmland.org. Unless you're driving, uh, please don't do it while you're driving. But uh, maybe if somebody's with you, they can do it on the iPad. All right, tell us about the Farmland Organization, how it got started, and what you guys are all about. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for this opportunity. American Farmland Trust was created 40 years ago to be a voice for America's farmland. Our mission is to protect farmland, promote sound farming practices, and keep farmers on the land. 
AFT was responsible for incorporating the Farmland Protection Policy Act into the 1981 Farm Bill and the conservation title into the 1985 Farm Bill. We conceived, then actively advanced, the Federal Farm and Ranch Land Protection Program, which has since become the Federal Agricultural Conservation Easement Program, or ASEP. In the most recent Farm Bill, which was 2018, AFT was instrumental in securing an additional $2 billion in ASEP funding wow. for farmland protection. Since our founding, American Farmland Trust has helped to permanently protect nearly 7 million acres of farmland, led the way for the adoption of conservation practices on more than 300 million acres, and directly supported more than 600,000 farmers and landowners. AFT has a national office in Washington, D.C., and field programs across America. A little bit more about how we work. As I said, our mission is to save the land that sustains us by protecting farmland, promoting sound farming practices, and keeping farmers on the land. We pursue our mission strategically through multiple paths. Our national programs target critical lever points where AFT is poised to make a real impact. Our state and regional programming keeps us grounded in agriculture's realities while allowing us to test new concepts and replicable models. Our work as the only agricultural land trust with a national scope enables us to take on projects that other groups cannot. Our Farm Legacy Program enables farmers and ranchers to donate properties or conservation easements that they know will be stewarded wisely. Our leadership of the National Agricultural Land Network provides critical services to states and other land trusts. Our research division maintains the nation's best land cover data, evaluates conservation outcomes, and studies farmer demographics. Our Farmland Information Center maintains the preeminent database of the conservation agriculture movement and provides technical assistance not found elsewhere. Our historically strong policy work advances federal and state-based initiatives that are essential for our future. We do this work in service to our nation's farmers and ranchers, often partnering with other farm groups, conservation groups, or academic institutions. We understand the land, the science, and most importantly, the people. We are trusted by both farmers and environmentalists. We have traditionally served as a convener and go-between because we know both agriculture and the environment. We bring solid research and objective information to policy discussions. In so doing, we have earned the respect of policymakers of all political stripes. As I mentioned, we have regional programs across the nation in addition to our office in Washington, D.C., an office in California, in the Midwest, New England, New York, the Pacific Northwest, and in Louisville, Kentucky. 
So I want to talk about the loss of farmland. Okay. And so from AFT's pers- perspective, it, we are a nonpartisan science and research organization, and we know we're going to grow, and that's, a, that's certainly a pun, grow agriculturally, and we know we're going to grow from a development standpoint. Right. It's just a matter of when, where, and how. So we have to grow smart, smart growth. So we had a report called Farms Under Threat. Um, it's a three-phase project that was released, and the first phase was 2018, and it was a national look back at what had been lost. The second phase is Farms Under Threat State of the States, and it was released in May of 2020, and every state in the nation has its own report and a scorecard, and I'll get into that in just a bit. Okay. But um, from, from on the large scale, um, you know, we have lost 11 million acres of America's agricultural land wow. that were developed or converted to uses that threaten farming between 2001 and 2016. And according to Farms Under Threat State of the States, this new report I was talking about, um, which has a scorecard for every state, um, every state can do more and must do more to protect their irreplaceable agricultural resources, right? Um, In order to have a sustainable future, we have to have sustainable farmland. And as we say at American Farmland Trust, no farms, no food. Um, This State of the States report shows the extent, location, and quality of each state's agricultural land and it tracks how much of it has been converted in each state using the newest data and the most cutting-edge methods. The Agricultural Land Protection Scorecard analyzes six programs and policies that are key to securing a sufficient and suitable base of agricultural land in each state and highlights the state's efforts to retain agricultural land for future generations. It, it, it offers a breakthrough tool for accelerating state efforts to make sure farmland is available to produce food, support jobs, the economy, provide essential environmental services, and to help mitigate and buffer the impacts of climate change. We're not saying what's causing climate change. We're just acknowledging that it's happening. Okay. And so... All of this information, you spoke earlier about our website of farmland.org. Yes, sir. If you go, if you type in um, uh, farms under threat, uh, you will get our microsite where you can go there and anyone that's on this call can go to our farms under threat um, microsite and you can register and you can have access to all the data and the shape files and all of the digital mapping for your state or other states. And so we share all of our information. This was a partnership between American Farmland Trust and the NRCS. And so every state, we have mapped the most productive, versatile, and resilient soil in every state. And so productive, versatile, and resilient soils are limited in quantity. They exist across the country, but and these 
are the soils that we're, we can have the most intense agriculture, the most intense ag production, and these are the soils that are going to take us through climate change. Um, it's critically important because right now, as we lose these soils, we have to figure out how we can maintain at least our best soils for the future of ag so we can feed ourselves. We have to increase our agricultural output by 60% by the year 2050 to feed ourselves. The third phase of this data will be released in May of 2022, and this is called Farms Under Threat Future Scenarios. And future scenarios will look at three things. It's going to look at climate change, it's going to look at housing density, and it's going to look at population increases. And it's going to show how those things are going to impact our most productive, versatile, and resilient soils through the year 2040. So we can mitigate those impacts now and conserve our best soils now. So this is, and I'm going to get into North Carolina a little bit. In a, yeah, we're going to use that as an example, but this is an example of the other 49 states. So, yeah, and this is just this is just an overview. No, perfect. Of the project that's, yeah, at large. That's, thank you for doing that. Yeah, sure. And so, you know, when you look at the country. And you look at this, these maps, and you'll see them when you go on our Farms Under Threat site. Um, you'll see the, the dark gray. You know, that's the urban high density. Then you can see the red on these maps. And that red is the sprawl that's taking place, the sprawl that took place between uh, 2001 and 2016. And then you have the light green and the dark green for productive, versatile, and resilient soils and then the light yellow and the dark yellow, that's the productive, versatile, and resilient ranch land, right? Because we want to protect our ag land and our ranch land. And so that is what you're looking at when you see this map. Um, I think, you know, the, the low-density residential is really where we're losing the – that's when it all starts to fall apart because – Low-density residential, these are your non-agricultural residential parcels. These are your 5-acre lots, your 10-acre lots, your 15-acre lots, your 20-acre lots. Hey, uh, Billy, this is our guest today, Billy Van Pelt. This is Let's Talk Land. We'd like to thank our guest, our host, I'm sorry, LandHub.com. Sell your land, land of your dreams. Hi, I'm looking at this map that, that you were talking about, and it shows the, the green, the yellow, and the red, and the gray areas. And North Carolina seems to have a lot of red that's appearing in it, which is kind of concerning for me. Does that mean we're losing our farmland? Well, great question, and, and I appreciate you asking me to clarify the map. So everything that you're seeing on our Farms Under Threat State of the States map um, for the United States and for North Carolina and all the other states is available at Ameri just search American Farmland Trust Farms Under Threat in your search field on your um, when you go on the internet you can get to our that website and then you can go state by state to look at the interactive maps on North Carolina North Carolina has a lot of rich uh, forested land as you can see in the light gray 
North Carolina has a lot of productive, versatile, and resilient soils. Um, that's your dark green and your light green. But as you said, there's quite a bit of urban high-density development around Charlotte, Greensboro, Durham, and Raleigh. And, you know, that urban high-density development, that's pretty self-explanatory. The red that you're seeing, uh, that's all the non-agricultural farmland conversion, meaning that it's been converted in some way or threatened to non-agricultural uses between 2001 and 2016. And so I'll talk about that a little bit more, but that's what you're seeing in the red. And, yes, you are losing it. And it's, it's, it's kind of splintering out from those um, urban centers. Um, but we're going to talk a little bit more about exactly what's happening in North Carolina. And then later in the show, we'll talk about tools in the toolkit and next steps on conserving farmland. Perfect. So North Carolina's farms are under severe threat, with its best land succumbing to development. This report found that North Carolina was the second most threatened in the nation due to the loss of agricultural land to poorly planned development, and that's behind Texas. Between 2001 and 2016, 732,000 acres of agricultural land were developed or compromised, 387,000 acres of which were nationally significant or the land best suited for growing food and crops. And so North Carolina's farms are under some of the greatest threats in any state in the nation. This report identifies the urgent need for action to protect this land that is critical for North Carolina's agricultural economy and its ability to grow food and other crops. We've all witnessed the impacts of empty grocery store shelves in recent recent months. We must be vigilant in protecting our farms and ensuring that our food system is more secure and resilient. The hot spots for development were found around Raleigh-Durham, Charlotte, Fayetteville, Greenville, and Winston-Salem. However, the threat is more than just urban sprawl. North Carolina's agricultural land is disproportionately threatened by a new more insidious kind of development discovered by AFT through this research. This is termed low-density residential, or LDR, land use. Roughly 78% of the land developed or compromised in North Carolina fell into this category. LDR is insidious because it is not always immediately visible to communities and policymakers and therefore has yet to provoke a policy response. In North Carolina, LDR is five times more likely to be converted to urban and highly developed land use and other agricultural land. And so when we say five five times more likely, if you think about um, development and conservation on a spectrum, where one end of the spectrum is urban high density and the other end is conservation. Once you start moving away from that conservation with this low-density residential, you start to get more cluster development. Then you start to get more and more urban-type development until it's highly developed. Um, Low-density 
low-density residential land use compromises opportunities for farming and ranching, making it difficult for farmers to get into their fields or travel between fields. New residents not used to living next to agricultural operations often complain about farm equipment on roads or odors related to farming. That's true. Retailers, such as grain and equipment dealers on which farmers rely, are often pushed out. Farmers can be tempted to sell out for financial reasons or because farming just becomes too hard in the circumstances. And lastly, but more importantly, as older farmers near retirement, they sell their properties too often to non-farmers. This means that new and beginning farmers have a hard time finding land, threatening the very future of agriculture. More often than not, the land prices in these areas have been driven up by the encroaching development, making it impossible for new farmers to afford to buy a farm. Committed state action is an essential response to the loss of farmland and ranch land. Pursuing multiple approaches and linking them together is really the most effective path. North Carolina ranked in the second quartile of states having, having taken some action to protect farmland according to our Agricultural Land Protection Scorecard. Um, as we know, North Carolina has established policies to reduce property taxes for farmland owners um, and permanently protected farmland and created agricultural districts. These are important steps forward, but so much more needs to be done. We look forward to working with state leaders, land trusts, farm groups, and others to protect North Carolina's farmland, which is among the most productive and threatened in America. And as of 2017, uh, you know, North Carolina has been an agricultural state throughout its history. As of 2017, there were $12.9 billion in agricultural annual revenues from farms, $12.9 billion. It's a huge number. It's huge. And 10 million, 362,000 acres of agricultural land. And 59% of this agricultural land is considered nationally significant, which is a very high percentage, meaning that it is among the nation's best land for growing food and crops. North Carolina's top agricultural products are poultry and eggs, hogs, and tobacco. Roughly 75,000 farmers and 96,000 farm workers are directly involved in the farm economy. So, you know, it's bigger than just farmland protection. It is about protecting your ag economy. It's an economic development issue. And as we say here in Kentucky, our farmland is our factory floor. It is our factory floor of agriculture, agribusinesses, and our agritourism. And in forestry is a big part of that, too, mm -hmm. certainly in North Carolina. Yep, it is. So I think, you know, uh, based on my experience, I've been working in land use and um, farmland protection for 25 years. Um, elected officials and appointed officials start to take notice when you start talking about farmland protection and conservation through an economic development land, lens. rather, It's really a quality of life issue. 
when I think of North Carolina, I think about agriculture. I think about the farms. I think about all the ag industries. I think about driving to Asheville on that beautiful drive on 40, which is just spectacular. Um, I think about everything that North Carolina has to offer. And it's really, you know, you're a coastal state too. So you've got ag, you've got forestry, and you've got the ocean. Um, So, and and I know, you know, North Carolina is also a huge state that's attracting um, large companies, investment, innovation, high tech, and the best and the brightest in the nation that want to move to North Carolina. Best colleges and universities in the country. Right, exactly, that want to move to North Carolina, live in North Carolina, stay in North Carolina. And it's because of the, the quality of life that you have there. And, and if you think about it, the local food movement has really drawn attention to this. People want to know where their food is coming from. They want to know the farms. They want to know, you know, we have local beer, we have we have bourbon, we have local food, all of it. Our farmers' markets are huge economic drivers. They build communities. They revitalize downtowns. And, um, and you know, farmland provides a lot of uh, ecosystem services, a lot of environmental services, you know, soil health and uh, water quality and um, regenerative agriculture are all services that are being provided by the farmer. So the farmer and agriculture, it's really the solution, and it's the way forward in the future. And so I think that if taking that very positive uh, uh, trajectory and look forward into the future and you know, using some of this new data that AFT is going to have, our Farm Center Threat Future Scenarios, is really, really critically important to protect the best farmland in North Carolina. And American Farmland Trust is uniquely poised to work with elected officials, appointed officials, local governments, um, chambers, Farm Bureau, anyone to help move this conversation forward. Sounds like we need some opportunity zones for farms, Billy. <laughs> Well, you know, um, it, you know what I've seen, uh, and I've seen this in a few places, where communities have done agricultural economic um, impact studies. Right. Where you are looking at not just the, the cash farm receipts, you're looking at the agricultural cluster. You're looking at the equipment dealer, the feed, the feed um dealer. You're looking at the fencing contractor. You're looking at the insurance providers, and you're looking at everything that's related to ag, um, you know, everything. And that is your your agricultural cluster, um, your tourism that relates to ag. And that when you factor in the overall economic cluster of agriculture, it's actually much bigger. So when you look at your agricultural cluster, your economic impact from agriculture, and you look at the jobs that are provided and the payroll taxes that are generated and the property taxes, the hotel taxes, you know, the people that are coming to North Carolina to spend the night, um, all of those things add up. 
And so if you're looking at this as someone, you know, that's, that works uh, for a chamber of commerce, for example, what would they do to attract that kind of business to their state when you're talking about tens of thousands of jobs? Anything, right? Um, you know, to be able to cut that ribbon for, a, for an industry that's providing tens and tens of thousands of jobs and all these economic impacts, well, you already have it. It's already there. It's about retaining it. It's about conserving that uh, factory floor for agriculture in perpetuity. Well, they need to go to your website, www.farmland.org, American Farm Land Trust, because I cannot believe, is this stuff happening around the world? I mean, this, I mean, you guys are obviously doing an incredible job here in the United States. Where are there, are, you guys are an international or other countries, just briefly? Well, a we, we're a national organization. This is, uh, 2020 was our 40-year anniversary. Right. And, you know, I think farmland, you know, as they say, land is the new gold and water is the new oil. You got it. And yeah. so your your land, um, you have to you have to have that land to sustain yourself. And you know, water, of course, is right there with it. And I think it's getting globally. We are recognizing um, the critical need to have enough land to feed ourselves, as we say at American Farmland Trust. No farms, no food. Yeah, I like that. That'd make a great bumper sticker. <laughs> well, we have bumper stickers, and I'll send as many, send you as many as Please you do. Want. We'll pass them out. I guarantee you that. But um, our guest today is Billy Van Pelt, and what a pleasure to have you, Billy, with American Farmland Trust. This is Let's Talk Land. Our sponsor is LandHub.com. LandHub, sell your land, land of your dreams. Billy, we're talking about all these things that you guys do, and you you said something about a toolbox. What's the toolbox? Well, uh, thanks for asking that question. First, let me just reiterate again. Go to our website, farmland.org. You can search by subject, and all of our work is there. We're a nonpartisan um, research and science organization. We're the only national organization that approaches agriculture in a holistic manner. Now, I'll also say we have a second website called farmlandinfo.org, and we house all of our reports there. We have a just a rock star team of, um, of staff there that manages all of that information at our Farmland Information Center, which is farmlandinfo.org, and you can actually search by state to see all the information by state. Now, Billy, that report you sent to Reese and I, we would find that report on that website? Well, Farmland no, Farms Info? Under Threat, it's even a third website. Oh, um, goodness. American Farmland Trust Farms Under Threat will take you to a web page. Okay. And that page will... There's, it tell, gives the background on all the national and state-by-state state mapping that we've been talking about. And if you, once you scroll down, you, it says Explore Interactive Maps. We share all of our shapefiles for every state in the nation. So you can register, and then we, we will share those shapefiles with you. We're really excited about um, preparing and completing the third phase yeah, that's exciting. phase research project, Farms Under Threat Future Scenarios, which is going to project out to 2040. 
and look at housing densities, climate change, and population increases, and how we mitigate those things so that there is a way forward in the future by conserving the land now. That's pretty exciting. Mitigate those impacts so we can serve enough land to feed, feed ourselves now. So let's talk about uh, solutions. Let's talk about a way forward. So tools in the toolkit, and we were talking earlier about sprawl, non-agricultural sprawl, low-density residential. Well, typically uh, the tools in the toolkit, you know, comprehensive planning is critically important that every community, every county have a comprehensive plan process that's updated on a regular basis, be it every five years or whatever the, the frequency may be, and that there is a planning commission, that there is an active planning commission in each county and a professional planning staff that is helping draft that comprehensive plan and is implementing your planning and zoning your zoning ordinances and your land use reg regulations. Um, some communities, if, if, there's, if there's not the resources or the bandwidth to have individual um, uh, county by county um, planning and zoning um, staff, you know, and there are some regions that have regional um, planning entities, but it's really best if you have a community-based, a county-based planning and zoning process planning commission, planning staff, comprehensive plan. Okay. So let's talk about the agricultural area and your farmland. So your ag area should be just that. And what I mean by that is that your entire ag area should have agricultural zoning. So that the zoning in that area only allows agricultural uses. That's one thing. The other thing is to have urban growth boundaries. So you're separating the urban from the rural. That boundary, it's an it's a invisible line that has that your planning commission is going to reconsider every comprehensive plan update on whether or not that line needs to expand or not, to expand the urban area. And um, it works very effectively to keep the urban urban and the rural rural. And I'm going to sp speak from a little bit of experience. Lexington, Kentucky, and Central Kentucky, the area that I'm from, Lexington had the first urban growth boundary in the United States in 1958. Wow. And we, there was a high incidence of hepatitis because of septic tank usage. Mm -hmm. So they, they created an urban growth boundary, and they said we're only going to sewer everything inside this line, and everything outside this line is the rural service area. So... There was no lot minimum in the rural area um, from 1958 until 1964, and we saw a proliferation of the typical 50s and early 60s style half-acre and one-acre lot suburban-type developments. Right. So they knew they had to do something. So they increased the minimum lot size in the rural area um, to 10 acres, 10 acres for one house. So we had a 10-acre minimum from 1964 to 1998. Well, we saw that between 1990 and 1997, we lost 4,700 acres to 10-acre lotting. And if you took that 4,700 acres and made a perfect circle and put it inside 
New Circle Road, which if you've been to Lexington, there's a belt line that goes around the city called New Circle Road. If you put that 4,700 acres in the middle of that belt line, we could have gotten 20,000 typical residential lots, but instead we only got 429 10-acre lots. So we knew that something had to change. So we, the, the mayor at that time put together a just kind of a ad hoc committee. There was a chamber representative, a realtor representative, a banker, um, convention and visitors bureau, uh, a couple of horse industry people, a couple of farm bureau people, ag extension agent, NRCS, historic preservation neighborhood, and land conservation. And they worked for between two and three years on a rural land management plan. And that plan made two recommendations. One recommendation was to increase the minimum lot size from 10 acres to 40 acres for one house, an agricultural unit, 40 acres. The other was to compensate the landowner for the loss of that 10-acre right through a purchase of development rights program, which is just like a PACE program, Purchase of Agricultural Conservation Easement. Okay. And that's where the owner is voluntarily, voluntarily selling a conservation easement. They still own the land. They can sell the land. They can bequeath the land to their heirs. They can farm the land. But it will stay in agriculture in perpetuity, and it becomes first in the chain of title, which means even if the farm goes into foreclosure, the conservation easement is intact. Exactly. So back to the tools in the toolkit. So we've talked about agricultural zoning. We've talked about urban growth boundaries. And we've talked about um, large lot minimums in your rural area. And we've talked about farmland protection. Okay. The, the fifth tool is to have a goal for farmland protection in every county. What is your goal for farmland protection? And so that goal gives you something to work towards, and it also helps you measure your own performance on how you're working toward that goal. Um, and the goal is going to be something that's embedded in the comprehensive plan. And the goal is also not going to be everything in the rural area. Um, you know, I'm talking about Lexington, Kentucky, because it's closest to North Carolina from my frame of reference. The goal is 50,000, 50,000 acres of permanently protected farmland through purchase easements out of 128,000 in the rural service area. So from the development side, we're not trying to protect all of it so you can't develop anything else. We're just trying to protect enough to retain the agricultural industries that we have in place. And so those those types of programs are funded through ASEP, the federal dollars. Um, Kentucky used, you know, uh, $25 million in tobacco settlement dollars for farmland protection. And then communities can also um, give general appropriations to help match state and federal dollars. So these programs exist all over the country. American Farmland Trust helps start um, PACE and PDR programs and private land trusts across the country, and that's where that 6.8 million acres comes from. Okay. That's conservation through the 
all these programs and partners that we have. American Farm Land Trust is a land trust, but we typically don't hold easements in areas where there are viable farmland protection entities in place because we don't want to create redundancy. Right. Um, so a little bit more about um, how these conservation easements work. Okay. Please. So there are purchased easements, which we've talked about, and there are donated conservation easements, where you're donating a conservation easement on your farm. Well, why would you do that? Well, the reason is the federal income tax benefits for donating a a conservation easement on your farm to a qualified entity are significant. And so we don't give out tax advice, but we encourage you to talk to your accountant or your financial advisor on how those federal income tax benefits and the estate tax benefits may benefit you uh, by donating a conservation easement to a qualified entity in your area. Um, And then again, you can also sell an easement to a program that exists in your area. So what is a conservation easement? A conservation easement is a deed of conservation easement. It's a document. It's recorded at the county clerk's office. There's an intro in that document. It's got your name and the person that's holding your easement's name, how many acres you have, and then it starts talking about all your conservation values. Um, There was a question early on about how do you decide where we're going to conserve Well, if you're purchasing easements, those easements are usually purchased using a a ranking criteria that's either codified in your local ordinance or um, if you're using uh, federal matching dollars, you know, they have a ranking criteria as well. And they're heavily, usually heavily weighted towards um, the acreage that you have because you want to conserve large tracts um, to conserve your best soils, so soil quality, what's your percent of prime farmland soils, statewide important soils, and what's your road frontage, right? Because that's the more road frontage that you have, the more easily you're subdivided. Um, blue line streams, scenic view sheds, you know, what it looks like from the road. That's your that's a real value from a tourism standpoint. Large trees and tree stands, cultural values, um, historic values. You know, in central Kentucky, we have dry laid stone fences along a lot of the the roadways in the rural area. Those are some of the cultural values I'm talking about. Um, Environmentally sensitive areas, are you over an aquifer? Um, Do you have environmentally sensitive lands on your farm? Um, And then those points in that ranking system add up, and whoever gets the most points rises to the top, and then the, the entity that's purchasing these easements will start with the highest-ranked farm and then just work their way down until they're out of money. And then in their next application cycle, everybody will get reshuffled and re-ranked, and then they'll start all over again. Donated conservation easements, that's more, um, you know, donated conservation easements can be held by public entities or by private land trusts. Private land trusts can also purchase easements, but they, they uh, you know, typically they hold a lot of donated conservation easements. And so when you have a private land trust, and that's a private land trust, is just an entity that's got 
a, a nonprofit status and that they are accredited or they they have the qualifications to hold, monitor, and steward conservation easements. And so um, that entity has a little more uh, latitude because they can decide, you know, what project looks good for them. And I think there was a, another question at the beginning about the maximum acreage and the minimum acreage. So I think that's just going to depend on the entity. You know, the maximum acreage, I don't know if there is one. If someone's willing to donate a conservation easement on a 2,000-acre farm, you know, for example, that would be amazing. Um, selling an easement, it's going to be a factor of how much money do you have. You know, can you actually purchase a conservation easement on, you know, just kind of an unlimited size parcel? Well, you know, no, that's that's not realistic. Right. <clears throat> but the other part of it is I think that any landowner that, you know, has a huge parcel like that is probably going to sell easements or donate easements in um, smaller parcels. And, when, you know, when I'm, and I'm just going to use a very extreme example. And say, you know, if somebody owns, you know, 5,000 acres, they're probably going to have multiple conservation easements on that farm because, you know, you, you want the ability to someone to buy that that can afford to buy a smaller parcel, not too small, um, but just a smaller parcel, smaller parcel so that if you ever have to downsize in the future that you can. Um, donating a conservation easement is a big decision. Um, these are decisions that involve your family, um, that involve your financial advisors, that involve your and your attorney, your accountant. You need to make sure that this decision is right for you. Same with selling an easement. Um, but and it's a big part of your estate planning. You know, we have a farm legacy program at American Farmland Trust. www.farmland.org. Type in farm legacy. And we have, a, you know, an entire team that works with helping people plan their estates for the future of agriculture. Most people want to conserve their farms because their heirs want to farm or their heirs don't want to farm. And in either case, most people conserve their land for both of those reasons. They want the land to stay in agriculture regardless of if their heirs want to farm or not. Um, it's critically important to consider these things early on, and um, it's, a, it's a good process to go through from a family standpoint just to talk through these issues. A little bit more about the document itself. You have a, a, a list of things that are called reserved rights in that document. You know, you have the right to farm. You have the right to have all these different kinds of agriculture. There's a huge list, cattle farming, you know, row crops, equine, viticulture, civiculture, um, you name it, the list is on there. Um, you have the right to, you know, to build a primary residence or to build a barn or other agricultural infrastructure. You have the right to repair your fences you know, just normal common sense things. But there are also prohibited uses. These are things that you're giving up, right? It's the farm, you know, you're giving up all your subdivision rights in the future unless, for example, you have that 1,000-acre farm and you say, you know, 
reserve the right to subdivide this farm in parcels of not less than 250 acres. So that, you know, ultimately that 1,000-acre farm might be four 250-acre farms, but each parcel would still be subject to a conservation easement and wouldn't be divided any further. Um, Other prohibited uses, um, mineral extraction, above ground or below ground mining, um, pretty straightforward. Um, You know, things that are non-agricultural, commercial uses, um, things that aren't allowed by zoning in your rural area, and, you know, that usually takes care of itself. You know, and agritourism usually comes up in this part of the conversation, and I think it's going to be different by community based on the zoning in that community. It's going to be different by whoever's holding your easement. But agritourism is a fact, right? You know, we have... Yeah, it's growing. We yeah. have the corn mazes, we have the farm Hello. field days, we have farm tours, we have, um, you know, where the kids come out and you have the, they, they pet all the farm animals, um, you know, there are weddings, you know. But I think that, you know, once you start going down the special events path, that's when I think you're starting to move a little bit away from agritourism. So what I think, you know, it's again, it's going to be, specific to the unique situation, but um, you just want to make sure that the majority of the farm income is actually coming from agriculture and not coming from things that are non-agricultural. So we don't want people buying a farm and who don't know how to farm and have no interest in farming thinking that they're going to make the farm go just because they're using it for weddings every weekend. Um, you know, it's all about the, the ag uses. Um, so your, your entity that holds that conservation easement, they don't have the right to come on your farm whenever they want to. Typically, they only come once a year to monitor your easement, and they, they can only come on your farm with your permission to make sure that you're doing what you're, you said you were going to do. You're not doing anything that's... Um, keeping you from achieving the conservation values on the farm. And farmers are already good stewards of the land. So that's that's really not, um, you know, in my experience, uh, I have not seen that as an issue. Um, and then, um, you know, that's really it, that the deed of conservation easement is recorded at the county clerk's office, and it runs with the chain of title in perpetuity. So it's going to apply to every owner that owns this land forever. And so um, uh, you were talking, we were talking about the point system earlier. So right. how to, and about what land gets conserved and what land. Yeah, how does that work, Billy? And so we talked about the point system where you're prioritizing your best farmland, but there, believe it or not, there's some farmland that entities may not want to protect. And I'll use the Lexington, Kentucky example in that ranking system, land that is up against the city limits or up against the urban growth boundary, you're going to get minus points, negative points, because what we we don't want to create the emerald choker so that that urban growth boundary can never expand because you're going to end up with leapfrog development yeah. over conserved land. Yeah, that's, so that's, what I- that's what we don't want. So if you're if you're at an interstate interchange or you're on the urban growth boundary or city limits or you're already being sewered, 
or likely to be sewered, you're going to get negative ranking points because that land is highly likely going to be developed in the future. You want to conserve what's on the outside, right? And, and, and if you're going to build up, we have a little saying here, grow up, not out. You want to fill in your urban area and grow in a compact, contiguous manner, meaning you're, you're growing in a very contiguous way and you're not leapfrogging out into your county. Um, and that's how that works. And so um, not everybody makes it. You know, people who get negative points aren't going to get an offer uh, to, for, from someone to, con- to purchase their conservation easement in a land trust if they're considering taking a donated easement, um, they may not because they. the other thing you want to avoid, avoid is extinguishing an easement. So that is a very rare, um, extinguishing an easement is something that is almost never going to happen, um, but there are extinguishment provisions in perpetual conservation easements, and they usually involve um, replacing that land with like land if certain thresholds are met, which are very rare. Um, you know, that would involve if, you're, if your farm is surrounded by the urban growth boundary in 25 years, you could apply to extinguish that easement, but you would have to replace it with like land of the same acreage and quality elsewhere in your rural area so that it, there's no net loss of conserved land. Mm-hmm. Um, conservation easements, you know, it's a negotiation between the landowner and the entity that holds the easement, and um, and it's a two-way street, and easements take a while to close, and I encourage anyone that's thinking about selling a conservation easement or donating a conservation easement to work with their local PACE program, PDR program, or their local land trust partner to talk to them about this process. American Farmland Trust, we have resources. You know, I could share a draft easement with anyone that's interested. Uh, My email address is bvanpelt at farmland.org. Billy Van Pelt, you can go to our website and you can email me from there. And I'm happy to share any of those resources with you. But that's how conservation easements work. What a great presentation. Uh, Farmland, American Farmland Trust. Uh, we got Billy Van Prell, our guest today. And uh, you have three different sources to go to. Your master website is www.farmland.org. Encourage everyone to at least go there and see what it's all about. And then you've got a second website, farmlandinformation.org, correct? It's farmlandinfo.org. Thanks for correcting that. Farmlandinfo.org. And then you've got the Google or search engine site, which is, repeat that one for me. If you just type in American Farmland Trust, Farms Under Threat, it'll bring up that web page, and then you can get to the micro site from there. Perfect. What makes you get up in the morning, Billy? Land. <laughs> I can believe that. It's in my DNA. I can believe that. I was thinking Billy, Billy Van Pelt. It sounds like a rock star, but I believe you are a rock star. But he's the second. I believe he's a rock star. You think he's a Thank rock star? Thank you so I do. much. He is a rock star on this show. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So did, did, did you give out your phone number? Did you want to do that? Um, I'm happy to share my cell phone number. It's 859-983-8118. Uh, if I don't answer, please leave a voicemail. We can do that. Boy, what a great guest you've been today. And so stick around with us, if you would, please. 
Thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure. Come back. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know how you like our show. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to suggest, hey, we'd appreciate them. All questions are welcome, and all of our guests may be emailed with your questions as well. On the master website, letstalkland.net, you'll find Billy's name, company, his website, the master website, and his email address. We don't put phone numbers, uh, but you can contact him that through that. This show is for the public and, most importantly, for real estate agents who do not have a source of land education. All of our shows are downloaded after the show today on our master website, www.letstalkland.net. That's .net. You'll also find us on Spotify and also on Podbean. Teresa, how do they get in touch with you? They can call me at 336-209-2937 or email me at teresa.mylandpro at gmail.com. Wow. And you'll answer the phone? I always answer the phone. If no, I'm not, it's, there's a good reason. Yeah, there usually is because you're already talking to I'm somebody I'm already else. talking to somebody else. <laughs> my email is lou, L-O-U, at mylandpro.com. And my cell phone number is 336-669-1405. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, landhub.com. If you're looking to buy or sell land, landhub.com previews thousands of property nationwide. It's an incredible site. If you want to list with them, too, uh, they do social media, which the other land sites don't do. So they're the number one in my book, and we appreciate their sponsorship. Writing how they get in touch with us here. Well, Lou, they can go to our website, go to WKTE1090.com, and also they can download the Simple Radio app and hear all kinds of great things happening here on WKTE. Simple? How simple is it? Pretty simple. Really is that simple. why they call it the Simple Radio? Uh, that's right. Yeah, we had to make it simple for everybody. Oh, I got it. And that's, that's uh, universal, right? That's right. It goes yeah. out into the, to the universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Worldwide in the universe. Yeah, that's right. And then we've got a website, too, right? That's right, WKTE1090.com. Right. And we're beach music and oldies, and what do we play, Teresa? Happy music. Wow. That's right. Get everybody in the happy spirit. You got it. We got a contest coming up here. Yes, we do. We're going to be giving away $500 thanks to you and Shadow. $500. Me and Shadow is going to donate that. Teresa, yes. you, can, you can make it $501 Yeah. If you sure. Okay. But what we're going to do, we'll uh, just, just check in with us. We'll have it up on our yep. updated website coming soon. That's right. And we'll be promoting it. It'll be a 90-day contest. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to give that prize because we want everybody to be happy. And we won some national awards, right? Yeah, five years in a row being the top radio station on the East Coast. Beach music and oldies, and that's from mm -hmm. Maine to the Keys, right? That's right. But it doesn't get over to Kentucky, does it? Maybe, yeah. Okay. I would say that it's sort of on the East Coast. You won a nice award. Yeah, the Reader's Choice Award for Announcer of the Year. Hmm. How about that? Wonder who's Teresa? next. Teresa? I'm next. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh. Well, we had a great guest today, Billy Van Pell with American Land Trust. That's www.farmland.org. Make sure you check it out. This is stuff that we need, guys. It's a nonprofit. You can participate. You can share this. You can get involved in your communities, get your politicians involved. Uh, we need to uh, protect our land and protect our uh, livelihoods here. So uh, thanks again. We'll see you next week. Thank you all.